Morning, everyone. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Excuse me. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning for worship, where the readings all have to do with humility. Humility is not something that is skin deep. Humility for the Christian is something that goes all the way to the heart and core of who we are. It goes all the way to the gospel that made us who we are, God's children. Order of service is found in your worship folder and on screen at this time. Let's begin with our opening hymn, hymn 767.
Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority alone, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord of grace and mercy, teach us by your Holy Spirit to follow the example of your Son in true humility, that we may withstand the temptations of the devil and with pure hearts and minds avoid ungodly pride. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
Please be seated. First lesson is from Proverbs 25, a brief lesson on humility in the public space, especially with the government and those in authority. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence and do not claim a place among his great men. It's better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. The word of the Lord.
second lesson this morning is from James chapter 2, and it serves as a basis for the sermon. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The word of the Lord. Please stand. Gospel from Luke 14. One Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Please be seated for the hymn 766. name of our humble Lord Jesus Christ, your fellow believers in him. I was standing outside a restaurant in a food court somewhere in Illinois within the last year. The line was long and finally I was going to be next when, when two people younger than me, bigger than me, walked off my left shoulder and walked right up to the front and seemed to know the person, I don't know if they did, know the person behind the the kiosk area, and they struck up a conversation, started talking for a minute or two right in front of me, and then she asked if they would like to place an order, knowing I was standing right there, which they did. They knew I was there. They didn't care about me. They knew exactly what they were doing. 
And I expect those kinds of things are going to happen in the world. So I stood there and said nothing. But those things are not supposed to happen in the house of the Lord. But they do. So what's in your wallet as far as motivation? Right? Isn't that really the heart of the question that James is bringing forth today? Do you need more? Do you need less? Do you have that right credit card that's going to get you into the right places to rub elbows with the right people so that you can get to the right positions in life? Do you think you need to advance your status and your profile and advance yourself? Well, then the way to do that, if that's what you're interested in, especially coming to the house of the Lord, is you want to be a face taker. A face taker is the literal translation of the Greek word for favoritism. And it actually corresponds a little bit to the Old Testament to a face lifter. They're similar. In the Old Testament, if, if you were greeting somebody in, in your similar circles, there were different types of greetings if you had positions of authority. But if you were greeting somebody in the morning for the first time and walking by them, the way to greet them, if you're introducing the greeting, is to humbly turn your face towards the ground. It's almost like a bow. And what the other person would do if they were going to greet you politely is they would extend their hand and they would lift you up. They would lift your face. I think we see a little bit of that in the benediction too. The Lord lift his face towards you. Look on you with favor. Same type of picture. And it's a term of mutual respect. Treating the other person as a person. But a face taker is different. And that's what favoritism means. A face taker means you've been taken in by somebody else's face. Their stuff, their appearance, what they have. And it's as if you are swayed by them. No longer are we talking about terms of mutual respect and dignity from person to person. We're, talked about complete, we're talking about complete bias. Wanting to get ahead. Do you see why in the Old Testament God was very, very strict with his judges in the court system? And they got corrupt at times too, but can you imagine if they showed favoritism? They were not supposed to have a thing to do with face-taking. They were supposed to be objective. This is the word of God, the law that he gave them in the Old Testament, and they were supposed to make their judgments objectively. Can you imagine if somebody would come in and they were swayed based on the person's position, or they were swayed on the basis of what the person looked like or what they were wearing, or even swayed by what they might get after the court case. Favoritism can happen in situations of nationality or age or race or gender, or in the cases that James uses in our lesson today. Wealth. What would that be like if somebody, a poor person or a commoner, came to the house of the Lord and the people there were biased and swayed and played favorites? Would the poor people even have a chance? Or better yet, would the gospel even have a chance? I had a professor <clears throat> along the way tell me the story in our entire class, that when he would go guest preach at churches, he would specifically leave his gown in the car 
and he would leave his sport coat or whatever in the car, and he would walk into the church, maybe 25, half hour early, <clears throat> and he would look to see whether they were friendly, whether there were greeters there, whether they were polite and outgoing. And, and he, after the fact, would tell them this and help them a little bit. But in one particular church, he came in and nobody greeted him. There were people there talking to one another. As <clears throat> members came into the church, they went right to their specific groups <clears throat> and talked to one another. Boy, excuse me. <clears throat> So he stood there for like 20, 25 minutes, five to 10 minutes prior to the service. He finally went up to somebody who looked like they knew what was going on. And he said, hi, I'm the guest preacher for today. Could you help me just get set up? And you know what the person responded? Well, why didn't you say something? Well, why do you have to be somebody before you're treated as someone? Do you remember back in the day, <clears throat> I don't know that it happens here so much, but back in the day where there was kind of this unofficial assigned seating in churches, people had, families had the spots they sat, and guests didn't know this. Well, I know in one case, a guest family came early, sat in the pews, and another family that, that was their spot, they came in and they sat right behind and at the end of the service when you're supposed to greet each other, do you know what that family whose spot was taken said? You guys took our seats. <laughs> well, how about those that work third shift? I know of people who work through the night. They want to come to church on Sunday morning and then get back and go to bed at home. But maybe they're just not looking the best. Maybe they're not dressed the best. They're, they're coming from the office. What about the farmer who's in the field? Implement breaks down and they wanted to go back home and get the suit on or get dressed up for church. They, they just couldn't. They, they had to fix their implement and they got to church right under the gun before the service started. But maybe they're smelling like the field a little bit. Maybe they're not looking the best. And I know I've told you this one before, but this one I just will never forget. At one of the churches I served at, there was a college kid Opening weekend, freshman year. And the church I was at provided rides. The members picked up students from the college and brought them the five, six minutes to church. Well, the college kid's in the back seat. A, a man, 18, 19 years old, he starts crying. And the drivers, the driver and his wife, or I don't know who drove, but the, the married couples just said, what's wrong? Well, his roommate that he didn't know and had just met got drunk the night before as a freshman and decided to use this man's closet as his urinal the night prior, which is where all of his church clothes were. And so here he was heartbroken because he was coming to church dressed down, not because of what happened to his closet, he couldn't dress up for church. And he was heartbroken over this. So these people come to church, whether they wanted to dress up and couldn't, or maybe the Lord has laid it on them that they just don't have the kind of stuff to dress up. They're poor. They just want to come to the house of the Lord. And so what do sometimes people do? You know, stick it to them, right? Let them know that they should have dressed nicer. Be a little snarky and sarcastic with them, right? I mean, what are these ne'er-do-wells thinking in the first place to come looking like this? Well, here's what James says. Have you not discriminated among yourselves 
and become judges with evil thoughts. Really, pastor, this, this is where you're going to take a stand? <laughs> this is what, what you're going to preach about? This is what you're going to make a big deal out of this favoritism? I mean, come on, let's, let's look at the illustrations you use today. I mean, you open with somebody punking you in line in a food court. You still got your food a few five, ten minutes later. And, and the person James talks about that's at my feet, he's still got a seat somewhere in the house of the Lord, right? That The guests that were in church, if they come the next Sunday, they'll at least know where not to sit and they'll find some, and pretty soon they'll memorize where all the open seats are and they'll have it together, right? And those people that came looking like they did from the third ship, they still... They still were able to worship in spite of a few terse words. Is this really that big of a deal? I mean, really, people aren't terribly hurt by this. You're going to spend 15 to 20 minutes talking about this. Have you seen what's going on in the world today? Have you seen the news? There's all kinds of worse stuff happening in the world, right? James says this. If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. God doesn't look at these things as small. God doesn't just kind of excuse these things as if they're no big deal. These are a huge deal to the Lord. And when somebody commits even a favoritism kind of sin. It's like obliterating all the Ten Commandments. That makes this kind of sinner somebody worthy of hell. Do you understand what the, the consequences then? That makes a sin like favoritism as bad as murder, as ugly as adultery. As obnoxious as somebody standing before you arrogantly teaching you things that God doesn't say. Teaching you heresy. It's as bad as false doctrine. Because it undermines the gospel. Which is what made you in Christ who you are. And that's where James, what his big point in verse 5, he says... Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, do you see how he's appealing to you on the basis of the gospel? Look at what makes us brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? He's not talking about the financially poor. He's talking about the spiritually poor. God chose the poor. He chose you, people who had no buying power with God. God chose the poor. He chose you, people who were completely within the realm of sin and had no ability to save or rescue themselves. God chose the poor. God chose you, people who had no face, no appearance, no ability to sway the Lord with how he dressed or how he looked or our positions or whatever. In fact, the only position that was rightfully ours was a chair that was way, way down deep in hell. God chose you by enriching you in the gospel. God chose you to be rich 
spiritually in this gospel about Jesus Christ. God chose you to be an inheritor of all that eternal life has to offer. And he did all, notice these are all passive things. He did all of these things by a promise. And then he even led you to believe it. That's where we actually started this entire lesson in verse 1. This sets the stage. My brothers and sisters, notice another gospel appeal. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he doesn't say believers in Jesus Christ. Which is important. But he says believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. By the gospel, you've seen his glory. You've seen what's incredible about Jesus Christ. You've seen his appearance and his splendor and everything he's done. God has revealed this to you in the scriptures. How Jesus, how Jesus didn't get stuck with his heavenly wallet, but was willing to give it up. All of the riches of eternal life. And instead, he saw somebody that was poor and in need of help. He saw you. And so he was willing to bring and give his life to this world to make his home among sinners. And he did. He took a lowly seat. He humbled himself. And as he was here, every single day of his life, every single one of those commandments, he's checking off, he's doing perfectly and obeying, not just the big ones, and excusing the little ones, he's doing them all. He didn't play favorites. He wasn't swayed by people and positions and power. And so here you have this perfect Savior. And what did the world do for him? Oh, we gave him the worst chair, didn't we? The world rewarded Jesus, the Son of God, by elevating him to a cross. And what did Jesus do by it? He humbly accepted it and it's by that cross that he lifts you up. It's by that cross that he treats you as somebody with dignity and respect, though we deserve none, and he lifts your face to God by forgiving your sin. He lifts you up, not just, not just out of sin, but he lifts you up to see just how important you are to God. I'm going to say that phrase again. You are an inheritor of eternal life. You have a chair in heaven that God won for you in Jesus Christ. And so it's by this gospel that you and I recognize the very roots of what made us Christian. It says there's no room in the house of the Lord for racism. There's no room in the house of the Lord for prejudice. This is not the place we come to to gild our wallets and, and to line, line our lives with, with greater wealth and greater position and to get ahead and to let our egos run wild. This is not the, that's not even Christian. So what's in your wallet? You know what? Doesn't matter, does it? That's not what this is about. In fact, it's none of my business. It's the Lord's business, and there are certainly scriptures about that and how to manage it properly. But when it comes to one another, that's not what this is about. You know what this is about? Mercy. Because that's how the judge has treated us in Jesus Christ and forgiving our sins. 
in giving us freedom. Let's be rich in that. Let's speak and act as those who are brothers and sisters and know how to treat one another on the basis of how God first treated us. What a rich church this is then. What an incredible place. Others are going to see this to be when they come here and see the way you love them as a reflection of Jesus' love for you. Incredible. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Heavenly Father, the high road is so often the road less traveled. But that's the road Jesus took. It involved humility, trust, and especially the cross. What you ask of your son, you no less ask of all your children. May our lives reflect the high calling of the gospel as we practice godly humility, as we trust you, and as we take up the cross you send. Let the chairs in your house be filled with people so that you may every time extend mercy to sinners. We thank you for Pete Prangy, who celebrates his 96th birthday. For all his years of grace, we praise you, Lord, and ask you to grant him another wonderful year. Lastly, Lord, open your hand and prosper every aspect of the coming building project from the groundbreaking today until the door opens for its first use. Watch over the plans, the workers, the supplies, and the weather. As we watch this go up, may our hearts be humbled all the more at your goodness and rejoice at the coming opportunities to share your grace. You have faithfully brought us here. We trust you to faithfully lead us through. In your name we now join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. <clears throat> 